Hi, I'm Elissa Nicole Trust, an actor and writer living in New York City. Hey, I'm Lauren Schaffel, an actress and producer also living in New York City. And, and we, we are Positive, Positive Creativity, Creativity Podcast. Positive Creativity is a podcast where we speak with writers, directors, and other artists about what they're working on, what's inspiring them, and how they stay positive in this industry. We are looking to shed light on all of the wonderful projects happening in New York and beyond. Our goal is to give creative artists a platform to talk about their work and to give theater and film lovers the opportunity to learn about more creatives and projects. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you with support from Ahava Theater Company. Kimberly Emanuel is currently performing in Godspell at the Berkshire Theatre Group, which is the first Actors' Equity musical to happen since COVID-19. Other credits include the national tour of Irving Berlin's White Christmas, off-Broadway credits include Heartbreak House at Theatre Row, The Fantastics at the Jerry Orbach Theatre, and Pacific Overtures at Classic Stage Company. Regional credits include 42nd Street at the Ordway and Drury Lane Theater, Chasing Rainbows at Paper Mill Playhouse, Singing in the Rain at La Mirada Theater, Holiday Inn at Marriott Theater, Waterfall at Pasadena Playhouse and the Fifth Avenue Theater, Evita at Kansas City Repertory Theater, and The Little Mermaid at the Argyle Theater. Welcome, Kimberly. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here virtually. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, we are so excited to have you. Um, So we always start asking this question, what is currently inspiring you? Oh, gosh. Well, I have a really obvious answer, (laughs) which is that I'm doing Godspell at Berkshire Theatre Group, which it has been one of the craziest creative processes I've ever been a part of, but it's also been by far the most inspirational. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. Very amazing. How long have you been up in the Berkshires at this point and doing the show? Yeah, I've been up here since July 22nd, I believe it was. And I had a very unusual journey with the show because most people who were in it had known that they would be doing Godspell since... January or March when most of things didn't go down yet. Like we didn't know about COVID. We didn't think it would hit us as hard as it has. And um, so they had the show canceled on them. And then they were like, no, we'll do it, but we'll do it in a tent. And then that was canceled. And so it has been a long journey with the show for some people. But um, to my luck, actually, it turns out, I wasn't a part of the project until two weeks before our we left um, to leave for the Berkshires. And so I basically received a phone call 15 days before we started rehearsal. That was like, hello, someone is not doing the show anymore. Can you please pack up your stuff, quarantine for two weeks, and then come to the Berkshires and start rehearsal for Godspell? Wow. It was wild. Like I had seen the New York Times press release like two days prior to that. And I knew some people in the cast. I was so excited to see what happened with it. And suddenly it was my life. (laughs) Wow. So had you previously auditioned for it? You know, I did not actually. Um, The director 
taught an audition techniques class at NYU that I took while I was studying there. And um, he knew my work from that. And I've worked with the music director before. And so they were like, we can vouch that she's a good person who is definitely going to follow the rules (laughs) and also talented enough to do it. Uh, And so they were like, they were like, let's just reach out to her and ask her. And um, they did that with two other cast members. Um, So there are three members of our cast who found out super, super recently, but the group of people that they brought together was truly like supposed to be here. You know what I mean? Like it's everyone is wanting to make this work. And also we all feel the weight of um, the American theater on us. And so, um, yeah, it is a really special group of people who everyone is ready to make it happen, you know? Yeah. Wow. It's almost like in this time, there's this moment of, of almost urgency or this like need to be able to create live theater and what a special opportunity that this is the first COVID-19 equity approved production. That's huge. <laughs> also, I can see how that might be like, whoa, a lot of pressure. Right. It's weird. Like usually our, on the first day of rehearsal, we have an equity meeting, right? And usually right. it's like an equity, ma- uh, equity rep comes to the theater, comes to wherever you're rehearsing and goes through um, like the layout of the contract or any questions that you might have or um, any rules for this specific theater. And on our first day, we were all masked, socially distant in this tent outside of a theater. And we are on a Zoom call with all of our reps and many of... um, the head people at equity and um, we have like a doctor on call. We have Kate Schindle is literally in the zoom meeting with us and she gets on and she's like, so the future of the American theater is looking at you right now. <laughs> we were like, Oh, Oh cool. This random chat in the Berkshire is like, great. Awesome. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was truly a meeting like no other. But in so many ways, this entire process has been so unique in so many ways. Um, but with people that, like I said, like everyone wanted to make it work. And so we all have been really following the rules. They put us in a really beautiful house in the Berkshires where we all have our own like kitchenette and bathroom and our own space and we have a beautiful porch in the front where we can socially distance, like hang out. Um, it has been really lovely. They, they're treating us really, really well. Wow. That's amazing. And you've sort of already answered it, but one of my questions was, you know, so much of the theater experience is that cast camaraderie that you and that bond that you get when you're performing with people eight times a week. And especially if you're out of town or on tour, So I was wondering, has this experience gotten in the way of that? Or are you even closer because you're going through this shared, unique experience together? Yeah, it's so interesting because 
when we were getting ready to come here, we had a Zoom cast meet and greet, right? And we all got on and we asked some questions that were mostly like logistical questions. Mm-hmm. But my cast member, Zach, his one main question was like, if we're going to be in a house, but I can't see my fellow castmates, how are we going to form an ensemble that can function as a unit on stage? Like Godspell is such an ensemble show and um, no person maybe besides Jesus is like more important than the next, but even so like everyone is adding to the lessons that Jesus is teaching. Right. And so we were all really worried that we wouldn't get a chance to know each other and that how much can you learn about someone from behind a mask and all of those questions. But in reality, because we are not able to hug each other because we're not able to, you know, cook in the kitchen and bump elbows with each other and things like that. It is, um, it makes the need to connect emotionally all the more apparent. Mm. And so we have had so many incredible nights sitting out on the porch, just relaxing after a show or during rehearsal or going through lines and, just telling each other about our lives. And our director has inserted a really beautiful device to the top of the show where all of us have shared a short monologue about how our lives have changed since March of this year. And in reading those monologues and asking each other questions about, you know, where were you? What were you doing? Who were you with? How had your life changed? How did it affect your mental health? Or we've just asked each other all of those questions. Mm -hmm. And I think we are probably closer than I have ever been with any cast I have ever worked with. Um, The need to connect is so strong right now. And the fact that we are able to do it fairly safely is a weird gift, I think. And um, the fact that we're able to be around other creatives safely and get on stage and have a shared experience with an audience eight times a week is so special. And um, even the first day that we shared those monologues with the audience, you can watch this really therapeutic moment that happens between the performers and the audience where we just connect as humans first and foremost and everyone's shoulders who were like raised when they came in the room suddenly you can watch every shoulder drop and everyone just kind of like release what we have been through for the past few months and get ready to see a show that's really special (laughs) yeah yeah it's really amazing I mean I I have to stop myself so many times and like remember that this is real. Like I have been through so many creative processes in the past few years where I definitely took shows for granted. Like I would say, oh, you know, there's not many people here that day or, you know, my parents are coming tomorrow. Like I'm stressed about them coming. So like, am I going to like treat this show like it's less than? Sometimes I definitely have. And I hate admitting that about myself. But with this particular show, we have not taken a single one for granted. 
the first day when we came out and connected with the audience in that way, I had trouble getting through the show because I just wanted to break down and cry from the sheer amount of joy that I was getting from being able to even sing in front of them, to be able to gather in that way that we all know is like, you know, the theater is a really beautiful sort of sacred space to anyone in general, but especially creative people. You all know that feeling when, oh, like one of our cast members brought it up a few weeks before we opened, where you enter the theater and you sit down and the house lights dim and the audience gets quiet. And that like feeling of magic when you're like maybe when you're really young and you see one of your first big musicals that you get is just like, it's unlike anything else. And although we don't have a curtain, we don't have house lights that go down. We don't have so many things in this situation to be able to create that little bit of magic um, is really, really special during a time where so many of us, I think are so, so hungry for it. Yeah. Yeah, and we were on your website before and we noticed that you were completely sold out. So obviously, people are wanting this experience. They're craving it. Yeah, it's really crazy. And um, us being sold out is also a part of it that contributed to that was the fact that the governor of Massachusetts after our opening weekend actually limited the amount of people that are allowed to gather in a space from 75 to 50. So we have a much smaller capacity, which allowed us to sell out much quicker. Mm. Um, But nonetheless, the audiences are all amazing. It's although they're spread out, it's nice to have those 50 people who really want to be there, there. And after the show, the biggest comment that I hear is I don't know, I didn't realize how badly I needed this. Literally almost everyone who exits the theater says that to us. Wow. And what better show than Godspell to be doing? Like there's something about Godspell. I mean, I'm going to admit I've never seen a live production, but I've listened to the music so many times, but there is this wonderful infectious quality to the music that really does invite an audience in. Like I can see people like, just kind of like dancing along, like singing along. Yeah. What's the word I'm looking for? It's such like an, the audience is such an integral part of the experience too. Exactly. And although we can't see their smiles from behind their masks, like you said, we can see them bopping along. Um, They're always so sweet in their applause every night and they give a standing ovation. It's so awesome. But it is a show that I didn't, expect the connection with the audience as mm. as deep as it is um because i i have seen a production of it before but i think in some ways if it's not directed well it can come off as um this group of people that the audience really is kind of an outsider watching them go through it go through mm. their experience um and although the songs like you said the songs are the one moment where we are really, really connecting with the audience and giving the lesson of maybe the parable we just said, right? Um, But in so many ways, it can become 
a bunch of people playing an improv game with each other and the audience is just kind of like along for the ride. Totally. What's wild is that we're really not allowed to speak or sing within 10 to 12 feet from each other. And so our stage is constructed. It's very wide, even though it's kind of short. And um, we all are spaced at home bases. So we each have a chair or a stool or whatever that is around 10 to 12 feet from each other. And we don't really leave those home bases unless we are going to stand and do choreography where we are spaced in just like a different um, section of the stage that is still very socially distant from everyone else. Mm. And um, it actually, I thought it was going to make storytelling more difficult because there are slaps built into the show and there are punches built into the show and kisses and, um, when you're not able to actually do it, is it, it will it translate to an audience? Um, but in fact, it has made it, the connection all the more apparent. It has made our storytelling way better because it has to be better. And it actually, I think, has invited the audience into our story because we are not allowed to sing and look directly at each other. So we have to sing and deliver everything out at the audience. We are pretty much faced forward the entire time. And so we literally have to use the audience as the people who are, we are telling the story to. You know what I mean? Like we can't cop out and just like rely on each other. We must tell the audience every story, which wow. is kind of great. Oh, wow. So I have so many questions now. I know it's a lot. It's a lot. There are like 20 pages of rules. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, can you please tell us what your rehearsal process was like? I'm sure people are so curious. (laughs) Yes. It was very difficult. I'll say off the bat. Um, But What was crazy was that rules and information was constantly changing because we are still in a pandemic. Mm. So scientific information was coming out all of all the time. And um, when we began staging it, we found out that we had to use these partitions between us when we were singing from the back row to the front row. So if the back row is singing at the same time that the front row is, they have to have these sort of plastic partitions between the two rows in order to prevent the spray from going to the front row. And we had staged four numbers by the time we found out that information. And so we were like, okay, backtrack. Let's figure this out. Um, we had two weeks of rehearsal. So that's losing a lot of time. And we, you know, stopped rehearsal. We said, okay, this is what has to happen. So let's try to do this in the most efficient and effective way possible. Um, and you could see every single person on stage who is in the midst of staging was just looking at our director like, yes, whatever you say that we need to do, we will make happen. So although there were some choices that had to interfere with artistic choices because they had to happen because of safety, 
unfortunately, the artist in us is like, oh, but that image was so beautiful. But the human in us is like, no, but this is what needs to happen. So Mm -hmm. unfortunately, or no, not unfortunately, fortunately, the safety came first, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we made do, we restaged those numbers, everything was fine. Um, And then we found out, oh, if we're going to do scene changes, we have to be masked for those scene changes because we are passing each other within six feet of each other, even though we are not speaking. And so what was originally going to be the fact that we are masked at the top of the show and during prepare ye, we remove the masks and then we're unmasked for the rest of the show needed to then become, we have masks that are built into our costumes that we bring up and bring down and, um, they actually, once once they were built in and like once the rules were made, they kind of became choreography. They kind of become like, okay, that was the show before, but this is what it is now. This is like new day, new play. And we have masks now for transitions. And um, what's interesting is that during our opening weekend, we got information that neck gaiters were not the most efficient way of wearing a mask. And so we had been wearing masks, we had been wearing neck gaiters around our necks. And so our costume shop had to take our neck gaiters and add layers of cloth behind behind um, the back of the gaiter so that they would prevent the spread of the particles. And like, oh, literally wow. we were learning so much information and it just felt like, constant obstacles but it honestly I have been in the room for several workshops of new musicals and it kind of just felt like that in a lot of ways except way more was at stake you know what I mean like you always experience the obstacles of oh no this set piece doesn't allow for this costume to happen or oh no the script actually is 10 minutes too long so we have to cut these things like those obstacles always happen. It was just happening in a way different way and with way different stakes. Yeah. It really speaks though to the amount of flexibility and adaptability that has to happen, especially now. <laughs> like all of the skills that you already had, it's like that was amplified to like 11 for this person. Yes. And all of the rules that you're learning go against every instinct you have as an actor. You're like, okay, I'm going to put all of those instincts aside, learn this new set of rules and go. Like it was like we were learning a very stylized new way to do theater. Yeah. (laughs) I have so many follow-up questions today. (laughs) First, I want to say that you're a part of the Jen Waldman studio, right? Can you no, actually, I have never take class, taken classes from her studio, but she was a teacher of mine at NYU. Oh, cool. Okay. Well, but I love her. I think she's incredible. She is. She's the most wonderful. She yeah. is my North Star in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very involved in her studio, and I'm not sure if you've heard her say this as her student, but she has, I've heard her say before, Um, safety first, or the show must go on. They cannot both be true. Safety first, or the show must go on. And I think it's really cool that you're in a situation 
where the show is going on, but you're putting safety first. Yeah. We have talked about this so many times and I have never heard it articulated that beautifully. Like that is exactly the way that we should all treat our safety always. Um, but so many times as artists, we make ourselves smaller for, for, for the piece, for, for whatever, for the director, for, we feel that we are not allowed to take up space. We are not allowed to be a problem. We are not allowed to present problems, but in reality, our bodies are the vessels in which we do our work. And so we have to put those as our first priority. And there are times that throughout this process, we have to fill out a employee health questionnaire every single day that has a list of symptoms and is saying, are you feeling any of these? We have our temperature checked every single day. And our company manager has made sure we are all aware that if we are feeling anything, no matter if it's not a symptom of COVID, no matter if it feels really small and nonsensical, we have to tell her immediately because the safety of us is of utmost importance far before the show. They would rather cancel a show than have one of us go on and feel unsafe. And there are so many times throughout my career where I have May, gone to work sick or gone to work this winter I went to work with a sprained ankle when I definitely should not have and made it far worse and made the healing process far worse for myself and if I had just taken the time to heal that ankle I would have come back a stronger dancer um, but because I didn't want to be a problem I didn't say anything but in our tech process I started feeling um, a tickle in my chest and I think it was from rehearsing outside. You know, I had never done a show outside before. And I had really bad seasonal allergies, but I was feeling this intense pressure on my chest. And like I was clearing my throat constantly. And my sister's fiance actually had COVID back in March, like right when it first began. And that was one of his first symptoms is this pressure on your chest and like feeling like he had to clear his throat. And so immediately I was like, oh no, I have COVID. Like I immediately went there <laughs> and I was like, no, this cannot happen. Um, and luckily everything was fine. It was allergies mixed with very bad anxiety, but in any other situation, I would not have treated that symptom with the severity that I did. Yeah. yeah. So, so true. Like safety first and the show must go on cannot both be true. <laughs> if if someone is not feeling well, it is a serious threat to our bubble. It's a threat to not only the show, like the show is one thing, but our lives are another thing. Right. You know? And so they have taken great care to keep us safe. They are um, providing so many resources for us to, they, they um, are recommending that we Instacart, like, most of the time they paid for our instant cart fees when we were in the two weeks of quarantine. It wow. has been really, really wonderful. Um, but it's, it's very true. I'm actually the dance captain of the show and we are taking understudy rehearsals very seriously um, because we only have two swings. And if something were to happen, um, 
where our show would need to either be paused or someone would need to be quarantined while a swing would go on. They need to be really ready to go in for any track. And so our understudies have been amazing. And um, we're holding understudy rehearsals like twice a week. We are getting them completely ready to go. (laughs) Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So you mentioned Instacart, so you don't have to go to grocery stores. What are some of the other restrictions that have been put in place to keep everyone safe? Yeah, um, probably the weirdest restriction seems very basic, but it's that when our families come to see us, you instinctively want to give your family a hug. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you simply cannot. <laughs> um so that is really strange. So we've had many families drive in front of our house and park their cars and stand on our lawn while we stand on the porch. We've had many like socially distant hellos with our families. Um, and it's really weird. Like after the show, we can say hi from a distance, but that's pretty much it. We can't really do much else. Um, my family, actually, we, we, they went and picked up, there's a Ben and Jerry's nearby and they picked up Ben and Jerry's and they were like, here's your Ben and Jerry's. You sit on the porch and we'll stand on the lawn and we'll eat our Ben and Jerry's together. Um, But it is a really strange experience. We really can't spend any close time with anyone except for the 10 people in our show. And even then there are members of our cast who are living like our two swings are local actors and they are living with their families and they actually have picked people who are very close to the Berkshire theater group for many reasons. But um, one of our swings, Hannah, she lives with her dad and her dad actually works for Berkshire and is getting tested as well. So he's kind of in our bubble, even though he's not immediately in our cast. Um, but they were very smart in picking people who were very close to their theater and that they knew would be willing to follow the rules and stay within our little bubble. Um, But we haven't really seen anyone else except for our cast. And even in, like when we started performances, our director and choreographer were still in town but they technically had left the bubble. So they could no longer be in our rehearsal space or anything like that. So they would come and see the show and like socially distance be like, you guys did a good job. We'll send you notes via email. (laughs) But it wasn't anything more than that. Like they can't sit in on understudy rehearsals or anything like that. Wow, that's so hard. That's a really precarious situation, but amazing that you guys are so close-knit and also I feel like there's so many things that you've learned coming out of this like to be able to run your own like swing rehearsals and be a dance captain in this environment like oh my I feel like all of this is going to serve you really well in any production you're doing any production after this will be like oh this is a piece of cake (laughs) (laughs) nothing will be as hard like we are truly the guinea pigs we are making the rules and so there are so many things that when we got the handbook of rules that we have to follow 
they, we had to create an addendum because there are so many things we had learned throughout that wow. future productions, um, it, it would be their best interest to follow. And yeah. um, some of them are like really simple, but you don't think about, like, I didn't think about the factor of the fact that the audience um, has to also follow rules when they're in our space. And so we're getting tw- tested three times a week. And so we we know that we are all negative for COVID on the day that we're having the performances, but the audience does not know, you know? And yeah. so in our first few performances, some audience members were incorrectly wearing their masks and they were not having their nose covered or, or whatever. And we had so many things that our house managers were already, you know, busy disinfecting every chair and making oh, sure yeah. everyone was comfortable that um, they didn't, you know, they didn't clock that immediately. But us, we're, we're on stage performing and we're watching these people breathe through their noses that are not covered by their masks. And we're stressed, even though they're 25 feet from us. And um yeah. So we had to add that. We had to say, you know, if a future production wants to do this, put it in your curtain speech. And now our our house manager kind of patrols our tent. And if an audience member is incorrectly wearing their mask, they simply go up to them and say, hello, you have to wear your mask properly. Otherwise, I have to ask you to leave. Wow. Yeah. That's so important. Yeah. So I was just wondering if you experienced any pushback from family or friends regarding your participation in this production or if anyone else has. Sure. Um, You know, we all come up from a very diverse background. Like it is, we have people who had been quarantining since the beginning in Manhattan, you know, and we also have a cast member who had been living with his Trump supporting family in Texas. And so we've had very different worldviews coming into this, although we all are performers who mostly live in New York City. You know what I mean? Um, But my parents are both in the medical field. My mom is a nurse and my dad is a doctor. And when I received my offer for the contract, I was actually at an orientation to begin the theater camp um, at the Argyle Theater on Long Island. And I was like going to run the dance portion of the camp. And I was in the middle of this orientation. We were, we were going through our own set of rules about COVID and how we were going to approach teaching a summer camp about theater to these kids in a pandemic. Um, and I received the email with the handbook and I couldn't look at it because I was busy and I immediately sent it to my mom. And she read through the whole thing and she said, yes, honestly, if anyone is going to try to make theater right now, it is these people because they are taking every correct precaution. And she had literally no qualms. They had the layout of the tent. They had everything spaced out. They had, they had thought about so many things. They had the list of who was in our bubble and who we could not interact with and had made pretty strict rules. In fact, one of our cast members, Mike Wartella, his mom is the house manager at our theater, and they are in separate bubbles. And so although they both work for BTG right now, they are not allowed to really interact. Um, and so wow. she saw that and was like, yes, these people are doing the right things. Um, but there have been 
some moments where some cast members have thought that these precautions that we're taking are a little too intense Mm. and we're um we butt heads a little bit but as soon as they had their like there was one day where one cast member was asked to put on their mask to go to a music rehearsal where it was essentially just them and the music director and they were like no I won't do it like I'm so sick of wearing this thing and all of us were like yeah we get where you're coming from it sucks it's 90 degrees outside and no one wants to be wearing a mask but we have to do it and as soon as you know they they let out their little bit of steam they like calmed down they were like you know what you're right you're right it's for the greater good like it's these rules are there to protect us and as soon as we approached it that way that no these rules are really annoying to follow sometimes but if we follow them it will make all of us safer then our our jobs became much easier and things began to run much smoother you know yeah absolutely it was wild though (laughs) totally totally wild Yeah. And it's so, it's so relatable. I feel like it's not that much different, just like dealing with the general public right now, at least where I am and where, and you are too, Alyssa in New York. I feel like, yeah, people, people often have very differing opinions about what kind of safety precautions, even just to walk down the street. Right. And when you have as many as we're under, we're like, oh gosh, can I just like take off my mask to breathe around the people who I live with and can't see anyone except for them for five seconds? Like I totally get it. It seems ridiculous. But in these circumstances, like, yeah, we just, we just have to do it. You got to. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So shifting gears for a Mm -hmm. moment, um, because we've talked a lot about Godspell. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's amazing. It's wonderful. And we we really wanted to to ask you and, and really you've really shed so much light on this process. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. Again, <laughs> I always forget people can't see me when we're recording and by like I'm nodding my head and like God <laughs> on the floor. Um but you and Alyssa are actually collaborating on a project called Hello Gorgeous, Funny Folks in Concerts. Yeah. Which it's a digital concert that's coming out in October mm-hmm. and it's going to be presented by Ahava Theater Company benefiting uh, International Sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And you're one of the, the choreographers along with Kristen Pope. Yeah. And I'm so curious, what is the process of choreographing in this new digital world like? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like everything we're doing, like it's just crazy. <laughs> and I'd say the biggest hurdle about doing things online is that things just take longer. Like everything is possible, but it just takes longer. Mm. And we're trying to facilitate choreographing for so many dancers who are spread all across the United States in various ways. Some people who are, you know, in their New York City apartments, some people who are at their parents' homes in Minnesota, you know, like it's it's such a wide range of people. But what has been amazing about it is that we're able to bring together a group of talented, ridiculously talented people who might not have been able to do a concert together if this were live and in person. Mm. Um, 
And so that's what I think is really amazing is that I've got to, I've had the chance to bring together dancers who I've worked with in Minnesota or Chicago or on tour and bring them all and have them dance in a dance piece that I choreograph and send them silly videos of me doing in my, my house here in the Berkshires and have them send me their beautiful interpretations back and piecing them together and having the ability to watch those dancers who I love and admire from all over the U S on one screen together is incredible. Um, Wow. But as a choreographer, what's interesting is that it's not, like you said, it's not just me. It's me and Kristen are working together on it. And we had done White Christmas this past winter together, but just as dancer. She was um associate choreographer, but I was had no part in the choreography. I was just like learning from her every step of the way. Um, and to be thrown into not only the digital world of sending teaching videos and things like that, Um, The fact that we are not able to rent a room in Ripley Greer and turn on some music and improv together or try out different steps and figure out choreography together, it has been a weird hurdle because there's no way for my music to sync up with hers, that there's technical difficulties of us freezing all the time because we're moving too much. And um, there are so many hurdles but at the end of the day me and Kristen actually we work really really well together and that is what I have realized from doing this project and I honestly cannot wait to actually be able to get in a room with her because what if what we've been able to accomplish from the comfort of our own homes is pretty amazing so yeah it is a very different way of working but like anything else, as soon as you accept that as your reality and overcome those hurdles and just try to communicate as best as you can, then, you know, something beautiful is bound to come from it. Yeah, that's so awesome. <laughs> and I'm so excited to watch it in October. <laughs> or hopefully whenever it comes out. <laughs> or whenever, whenever it comes out. Yes. But yes. To look forward to. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's been really amazing to be a part of and to watch. And it's such an incredible group. And what's been interesting is learning just sort of like we've been talking about this whole time is learning how to adapt in these circumstances, because so much of what's been going on recently is just stuff that like things that would have not happened if we were in a rehearsal room together (laughs) and it's just wild but I'm really excited Um, like I said it's an incredible group Hava Theatre Company is very proud to support International Sanctuary which is a nonprofit organization that empowers girls and women escaping human trafficking in growing community centers across the globe it is truly going to be so special and I'm really glad that I met you through it yeah so a final question um and again this is something we've been we've been thinking about a lot um as a podcast and really asking our guests what are some actionable steps that you think all artists can be taking 
to ensure that we do have a more equitable industry coming out of this pandemic? Yeah. Gosh, I have thought about that so much. And I feel like it's such a massive question that it feels really daunting to try to find a concrete answer. And the word actionable, I love because it's so true. Like, what are the steps that are tangible that we can take as artists, as creatives? Um, And I think starting small honestly is the key because it's the only way that like I can think about it, you know? And so for me, that's educating myself about the issues that this industry has. And um, as, as much as I can, just listening to the artists and the people whose voices have not been heard in the way that they need to be heard um, is step one. And although I will never know how we can like fully change our industry. I think that if we all open our ears and listen, then we will inevitably create better rooms, you know? And I keep thinking about this line. I mean, all, if you think about all of the lyrics of beautiful city in Godspell, like literally look them up because to me, that is, exactly what you need to do um he says every night i mean our our jesus is a black man who is dying on stage every single night and to watch him go through the journey as jesus and watch him sing those lyrics of beautiful city every night and then for us in the finale to re-articulate them i I truly learn something new and a lyric hits me different every single day. But I remember there was this one day in rehearsal, he was singing it. And there's this one part that says, um, when your trust is all but shattered, when your faith is all but killed, you can give up broken and battered or slowly start to build. And I really think that, yeah, all of our trust has been shattered. All of our faith has been killed. And sure, we could throw in the towel and say, you know, our industry has had so many problems for so long. Like, I'm just out. Like, I'm leaving the industry. There's no way of fixing it. It has too many problems. It has to be top down. There's no way for it to change unless, you know, our entire society structurally changes. And while most of that might be true if we slowly start to build by listening to each other and opening our hearts and hearing each other's stories and trying to be better as artists and to be better in the room and to be better sounding boards for each other then we will be able to build a beautiful city together that is so 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 beautiful yeah I'm sorry, I've like moved to tears almost to hearing that. <laughs> Super metaphorical and hippy dippy, but no, that's really how I feel. It's beautiful. It's, yeah. And it's so true. And I love what you said about starting small because I think that one of the perils of 
a movement is that people get really fired up and really inspired to take action. And then they're doing so much that they end up in burnout and then they stop. And that's what we can't have. We cannot afford to have people stop. We need for this to be sustained. And it's sort of like, this is such a stupid metaphor, but it's kind of like with weight loss. If you lose 20 pounds in a month, you're not able to keep it off. But if you lose a couple of pounds a month over a long sustained period of time, then you're more likely to be able to maintain that weight. And I know it sounds so ridiculous, but that I feel like that's the same with these changes. You're so right, because it's not that you were doing a quick fix. You're actually making lifestyle changes. Yeah, and you're thinking about the world differently and you're admitting that you had been wrong in the past about your your view with food or your view with others. You know, it's just like it's making those small changes. It's like breaking a habit. You know, you have to start small. You can't quit immediately because then you're inevitably going to go back to your old habit. Um, but if we're able to be more conscious in our daily life of of the people and and voices who need to be heard then yeah we're not going to feel burnt out by by trying to you know take down society and destroy what was there it's like no we can actually just listen to those voices and slowly make those steps forward together but the more conversations we have like this the better our world will be and that's what i think is it's such a hard view to to see right now, but I do think that this pandemic, although it has caused so much destruction and so much hurt, and you know, it has caused our country to be in complete turmoil, I think that we have to escape this pandemic as better people than who we came into it as, because they're that is the only way forward. That is the only way we can move forward. Yes. Yes to all of that. Yeah. Kimberly, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast and really, I'm not kidding, move to tears hearing you read those lyrics out loud um, from Beautiful City. Thank you so, so much. Thanks for having me. This was so awesome. It's honestly so cathartic to talk about it. So thank you for giving me that outlet. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. We always love hearing from you. You can email us at positivecreativitypodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at positivecreativitypodcast. And for more info on our guest today, please view the show notes. Join us next time on Positive Creativity Podcast.